This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. You had to know that when Wingstop set out to make a crispy, juicy chicken sandwich, they wouldn't make it in just one flavor. They'd make it in all 12. Like lemon pepper, mango habanero, hickory smoked barbecue and OG hot so why have one new favorite chicken sandwich when you can have 12 try the new sauced and tossed Wingstop chicken sandwich today for only $5.49 at Wingstop where flavor gets its wings valid for a limited time and available at participating Wingstop locations only while supplies last price subject to applicable taxes and fees listen to the West Amway podcast with Dave and X oi oi Hello and welcome to the West Hamway Podcast with myself, Dave Walker, and XWHU employee. We are back to winning ways, albeit with a far from perfect performance, but the points are ours. We'll be talking about that opening 15 minutes, the penalty that changed the game, the phenomenon that is Craig Dawson, our chances of nicking a result at Old Trafford, and a tear-jerking announcement from Mark Noble. X will be giving us exclusive news before ending the show with questions from patrons of the West Hamway. That's all coming up on tonight's show. X, with 15 minutes gone, I was scratching my head with what I was seeing from West Ham against Leeds. It's fair to say that we didn't make the best of starts, did we? No, it was a really slow start, actually. And I kind of thought to myself, what is going on here? Because, you know, such a, an important game where we obviously needed the three points. And it seemed like we just didn't switch on. Everything was just slow and lethargic. And obviously they created two chances, which they scored from. But thankfully we ruled out. Um and, uh, yeah, I was thinking to myself, what is going on? Wake up, lads. Yeah, well, exactly. I mean, we were flat-footed. We didn't keep possession. We didn't press the way we usually press. And I put it down to complacency. And that is the one thing that we cannot allow to creep into our game at this stage of the season is complacency. Because if you look at the reputation I think we've built for ourselves this season is we do get in the face of our opponents very early on. And we're very intense very early on but I didn't see any of that and I was worried it's like you said we got two disallowed goals um 
Mike Dean, we love you. All is forgiven. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I won't joke. He's still a cunt. But <laughs> obviously, to, to, to see him back and involved, um, you know, he certainly didn't do us any harm against Leeds. That's well, for sure. I'll tell you what. That I think that first one, I think it was the first on the offside one. I'm, I'm still not convinced that was offside. You know? Harsh. <laughs> um, harsh. Well, I think harsh is. I, I actually don't think it was. I don't. I'm pretty. I just don't think it was offside. I mean, mm. every time I look at it, I don't know what happens because the lines make it look like it is offside, but. <laughs> When you actually look at the picture, I I just don't think it is. It's really weird. But I mean, mm. obviously, don't get me wrong. I'm not complaining. I bloody take it. <laughs> but I, but it, it's oh, a strange mate. one. It is. It's like in 2021, if you ain't cut your fucking toenails, you could be offside. Yeah, I mean, it's that, incredible. Yeah. Um, and if You'd that's given offside. I would be, yeah. <laughs> I've always said I think my nose would always stop me from playing up front. <laughs> you might but honestly, score from it one yeah. day. <laughs> <laughs> I am that 20 goal a season striker we've been craving. Yeah, Just not way. in the conventional sense. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it's true. I mean, if that's given against you, I think you're fuming. But you know, it went for us, which was really good. But I was fearing the worst. I think like a lot of West Ham fans were, because this was absolutely massive it's like we said in last week's show on the back of losing to Man City gracefully with the games we then got coming up after Leeds we had to win it we had to win it and I was so frustrated and disillusioned with those opening 10 to 15 minutes it was unbelievable but then the game changed when we got a penalty and Jesse took it what are your thoughts on that considering Declan Rice as the captain is our designated penalty taker what went uh, through your mind when you saw Jesse take that ball and put it down? No, I wasn't surprised because if you remember, I said on this podcast that Moyes was toying with the idea of having a sort of rotational um, process with the penalties so that he would have three or four um, designated penalties as such and that they would kind of rotate and you wouldn't necessarily know which one was going to take it. So I originally thought that that was a tactic and I thought, okay, here we go. It's been employed now. But then when you listen back to the interview of Declan and particularly Declan, but also of Moyes as well, it suggests that it was it wasn't agreed beforehand. So part of me thinks maybe it was agreed and it didn't work. So they didn't want to admit it and they kind of maybe deflected it, but that would be a bit of a, you know, a bit, a bit of a um, strange thing to sort of try and twist at the end of the day, if it is what they're saying it is. And Declan didn't take it and he handed it over to Lingard. Then I, you know how much I love that fellow and how much I praise him continuously. That, for me, would be one of the first criticisms I've ever given him. He should not have handed that ball over to Lingard if he was told that he's a designated penalty taker, that he takes that penalty. I don't care if Lingard's his best mate or he's won the penalty or whatever. You are the designated penalty taker. We're chasing Champions League for the first time in our history. You cannot be mucking around with it and obviously he's yes he scored the rebound but he actually missed it Mm. so imagine if the keeper had not spilled it back into play and we'd missed that and we'd not got on to win because Declan wants his mate to take a penalty sorry Declan you know you know everyone knows how much I've praised you but you do not you do not do that and I hope he's learned from that and now onwards he would not do that from the interview afterwards it suggested that he um he knows he can't do that again so hopefully It was a mistake, but a mistake that's not had any consequence and we'll move on and not make that mistake again. Mm, Thankfully, because I didn't like it. Like you, Mm -hmm. I didn't like it. Declan's a captain and a penalty taker. End of story. And I know Dex's a nice fella, but if the gaffer wants him on penalties, 
is on penalties. I mean, can you imagine Mark Noble giving Jesse that ball? No, it exactly. would never happen. Never well, happen. No, I mean, the only time, to be fair, Mark Noble did was when he gave it to Antonio at that time. Do you remember when that against Oh, yeah, actually, that is true. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so maybe I'll retract the statement of it will never happen. Um, but more often than not, it will never happen. <laughs> well, it, should, it, it, should, it shouldn't happen at no, all. Full stop. No. But unfortunately, at West Ham, you know, now, the, the, and it's happened with Hartson and Kitts and that time, you know, there was Lampard and Decadio. Uh, at mm. the end of the day, you're a penalty taker. Is chosen way before the match. Everyone knows it. You set who your penalty taker is, and they are the penalty taker, unless they're injured or have a sudden, I don't know, change of confidence or something. I, I don't know. The penalty designated taker remains the penalty designated taker. They don't change it. Uh, uh, whoever's won the penalty, you know, it's, it's just. It's just stupid. There's no, there's no room in football for making kind gestures like that, unless mm. it's a testimonial or a mm. game where, um, you know, you're maybe ten nil up, or a game that doesn't mean anything. Not in a game when you're either battling relegation, ch- chasing Champions League. It's not, it's not worth it. Exactly. And I'll take one example here. In the 86 season, where we beat Newcastle 8-1, I think it was. Was it 8-0 or 8-1? I can't remember eight, now. 8-1, I think. Yeah. 8-1. Yeah, I think you're right. And uh, Alvin Martin has scored two goals. Now, he famously scored three goals against three different goalkeepers, didn't he? Yeah. Um, one of them was a penalty, and he'd already scored two. But Ray Stewart was our penalty taker. But the whole crowd started singing Alvin's name for him to take it. He took it. Thankfully, he scored. Even though he was pissing the game, um, they went into the dressing room after and apparently Johnny Lyle fucking steamed into them. And really? he said, oh yeah, oh yeah, I've heard it from Alvin's mouth. He said mm-hmm. that he gave us such a bollocking. He said, we just won 8-1. He's, we've just gone back into the dressing room and the first thing he said was, don't ever do that again. Raise our penalty taker. I don't care how much we're winning by, he takes the penalties in that scenario. The yeah. reason being, we are chasing the league title and this could come down to goal difference. It could be a goal in it that decides a league. Yeah. And we are putting our centre-half, who isn't a penalty taker, on penalties. Yeah, so don't right. ever do that again. And I, it's, it stands the test of time. Yeah. I totally agree. The same could be said for us. You know? Mm-hmm. And, you know, okay, I mean, he did miss it. Thankfully, he put it away. But if in that scenario, we take someone that isn't a penalty taker and he misses, and uh, subsequently we get a point rather than three, and we miss out on Europe by two points... You know, it, it's, it's so much truth in what John said there. So yeah. Declan has to be stronger in that respect. But I yeah. think you're right. That was possibly an isolated scenario and we can now move on. And don't get me wrong. One positive I will take from that is I absolutely love how hungry Jesse is to score goals. I wouldn't yeah. want that taken out of his game. No, 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 definitely not. At all. But when the ball eventually did find its way to the back of the net, what did you think of our performance thereafter? Um, solid. I wouldn't say it was an amazing performance, um, but solid. I mean, I think certainly for the rest of that half, um, played well. Um, got ourselves into into the lead, obviously. Um, two nil. Um, and looked quite controlled. And yes, they did create chances. And I think Bamford particularly wasn't on his usual um rate, like vein of form, but. It, it wasn't our greatest performance. You know, Declan admitted that, Moyes admitted that. But what is so reassuring is that when you don't have your greatest performance um, and yet you still win 2-0 against a fairly decent team, that's what 
that's what good teams do. They win convincingly when they're not playing well. And um, and we did. And I thought I thought it was a solid performance. Not great, but a solid performance. And I'm still delighted with what this team are producing for us. Mm. And I think when you have quality in the final third like we've got, it can change a game. Mm. And that's exactly what happened when Jesse got that ball, bit of trickery in the box, bit clumsy from the Leeds defender, granted. But he won that penalty through skill and it did then go on to change the game. You know, it's funny because when I think about it, I think individually, I Mm. thought they did well. But collectively as a group, I don't think the fluidity and dominance of play Mm. wasn't there, which made it quite an average Mm. performance, in my opinion. Um, It's a strange one. I think Antonio was a little bit out of the game as well. And I think when you're forwards a bit, he's isolated, maybe he was knackered, maybe he was just feeling it a bit, um, which wasn't one of his best performances. But when when your sole forward is not making necessarily the runs they usually make or not necessarily sort of creating the space that they usually do then possibly that that is a factor and I think yeah that might that might have contributed as well well we all know how vulnerable Antonio is with his tendency to burn out and pick up injuries so why when we were 2-0 up did Moyes take Jesse off and not give Mickey a breather, especially when Jesse can't play against you um, on Sunday. Yeah, strange. Don't know, don't know the reason, mate, to be honest with you. I think Moyes has stated he wants to get Antonio back up to fitness. Um, maybe he believes he's in that lethargic way because he's not 100% match fit. Maybe he wants him mm. to get more match minutes to become match fit. Um, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, like you say, the way you've worded the question there, it doesn't It doesn't make sense. It would have been better to take Lingard off. Um, and I'm glad you realise he can't play against Manchester United as well because I have said that fucking hundreds <laughs> of times this week. So, so, so it's nice that someone does actually understand. Um, and uh, yeah, he it, it does. Yeah, it does look strange but as a south it maybe it is to get those minutes under Antonio's belt and perhaps get him back up to the full 100% scratch that Moyes thinks he is yet to be at mm. see I would understand that philosophy with any other player from David Moyes but it was the conversation with Chris Akabusi that really opened my mind to this because ultimately we're talking about an issue with the fibres in his muscles that won't allow him to go full speed game after game after game. So with Mickey, and Chris agreed with this, by the way, knowing a hell of a lot more than I do about sports mm-hmm. science and the way the body's put together, the best way to use Mickey is actually to have him as what you'd call a super sub and let him go flat out for 20 minutes a game. Now, obviously, we're not in the position where we've got a better alternative up front to allow that to happen. So I think that should be our main focus this summer to bring in a top quality striker and have Mickey tear up the defence for the last 20 minutes of the game. Because I think that's how best to manage him. I'm not sure with his history and his unique issue, if you like, that the more minutes he plays, the better it is for him. I actually think it's the opposite problem that we've got. I think you've got to keep the minutes down with Mickey. Yes, we haven't got a choice at the moment because there's no better alternative. But I really think... He has to be managed better than that, in my opinion. Because mm. you imagine, if he'd have left him on like he did, and in the last 10 to 5 minutes he's pulled up and he's out, you know, he can win games for West Ham. And if we're without him because we haven't looked after him properly, that's a real concern for me. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know? no, I agree with you, mate. I do agree. 
Well, talking of individuals, Sky gave the man a match award to Craig Dawson, as did our patrons. You can't argue with that, can you? No, mate. I mean, what what an absolute brilliant signing he's been. Um, oh. You know, he and he is he's great. I mean, like, like I said on the podcast before, he played the players and the coaches before he'd even been selected for the first team. Do you remember? Because he got on the bench ahead of Diop or someone. Yeah. For, and people were like, why is Dawson got on the bench ahead of Diop? He's he's shit. Why are we why are we doing that? And I remember saying on the podcast, he's been apparently doing really well in training, and the players really rate him and it, I felt like I was sort of maybe being sort of lied to as such when I was relaying that information because it did seem quite hard to believe although that said I did actually rate him when he was at West Brom and Watford I thought it was certainly West Brom I thought he was a good player so he's obviously was a good player but for some reason he's just so suited to being a West Ham player I think he's like like I said before he's a James Collins type centre-back um, and we've lacked that sort of centre-back mm. since James Collins basically and I mm. think I think he has settled in brilliantly he will sign because we're going to trigger his claws in the next couple of games um but he he is he is such a good signing for us and i honestly believe he needs to be knocking on the door of the england squad there can't be many center backs english center backs that are playing as well as well as he is and he's also got that leadership experience that leadership qualities you know i like that about him um he's at the right age the peak age for a for a, a, a defender and i just think yeah, what a, what a player. What a great 100% man of the match. I just find it incredible, Alex. I mean, I think Craig is 28 now. Yeah, maybe 29, right? actually. But... It's 28, 29. And to be honest, whilst you said what you said about being aware of him and actually quite rating him at West Brom, whilst I'd heard of him, I don't know. It's actually um, 30. Never... Sorry, 30. Oh, he's, he's 30 yeah, now, yeah. is he? But whilst I'd heard of him, I never really saw him as anything other than an average Premier League centre-half. And then, of course, we bring him in on loan from Championship Watford, where he can't seem to get a game. And it looks like we can sign him now for £2.5 million. Yet on form, we're talking about arguably the best centre-half in the division. It's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, I know. And and this is what we've said numerous times before. It's not how much you pay. It's whether yeah. you get the right person. And also, mm. the mentality has to be right for that person. So, what you have to remember is Alan Irvine worked with Dawson at uh, West Brom, I think. I think Alan Irvine mm. was a coach there uh, when Dawson was at West Brom. And I think... Stuart Pierce managed him for uh, possibly England under 21s. But do you remember in the 2012 Olympics when um, we had a great a Team GB football team that, you know, mm. Beckham was controversially left out of? Um, mm. Stuart, Stuart Pierce was the manager and Dawson was picked for that as well. So both Irvine and Dawson um, were aware of, uh, sorry, Irvine and um, Pierce were aware of Dawson's qualities and they obviously said to boys, look, he is he is a great you know a great player and a good leader and a great person to have around the club and and that's what sort of really contributed to him joining joining West Ham and and you know and that is always so important you, you know we we 
people always talk about Alaire and stuff and how good a player he was. He wasn't right for the system. Um, yes, that's probably a factor, but I don't think he was right necessarily mentality-wise as well for West Ham and, and for England. And and that is such a such an important factor. And what is also important is that Dawson's been relegated by Watford with Watford, been relegated with West Brom. His career's kind of jumped between divisions, never really established himself consistently in the Premier League because of the relegations. So now he's so determined to hold on to his chance. So he's got that motivation as well. And I just think he's a, a superb, superb signing. Oh, it's incredible. I mean, he's solid defensively. He's a well-liked character. He's a leader. He's a threat of set pieces. I mean, he's one of the first names on the team sheet now. And again, mm. what a piece of recruitment from David Moyes. Yes, mm. he's used his coaches there to, um, I suppose, benefit from their experience of him. And that's fantastic. Again, what a, what a great show of a team you've got within that staff because they're obviously having relevant conversations, constantly thinking about how they can improve the side. And to bring Craig Dawson in, when every fan, every West Ham fan was scratching their head thinking, what the fuck is this we've just signed? Mm. He's turned out to be one of our best players. And if he would have been with us throughout the whole season, there's a great shout that he'd be in a running for Hammer of the Year. In fact, he probably already is in the running even been with us for a handful of games. Well, I, I wrote an article for um, Blowing Bubbles fanzine, which is a, a great publication for those of you that um, don't subscribe. And I wrote uh, an article for them because I have a, a weekly, uh, sorry, a monthly section in there. And um, that was the question, who who would be your Hammer of the Year contenders? And I said that had he been here for longer, then he would certainly, he surely be one, if he isn't one already, because he his standard of performance has been so high since he came into the team that you can't criticise him. And, and since he's came into the team, what was it, about November time, we've been on this really, really good run of results. And it's no coincidence. It's He is a, a massive factor in that. Mm-hmm. Well, we go to Old Trafford on Sunday X, a really tough game. The first question I've got for you is, can Jesse Lingard play? Yes, he can. <laughs> I've been lying, been lying all these years. There you go, it's an ex-exclusive. <laughs> but the real um, question is, the real question is, can we get anything there? Well, the fact that Lingard can't play is a is a, a disappointing thing because I think he is so crucial to how well we've been doing recently as well. His energy, his directness, I think he's even better away from home where you have to sort of maybe play more on the counter. Um, I think he he is he excels in that and he is going to be a massive loss, a massive loss. So it's how we replace him. And I guess you've got various options. You could bring in Bowen um, and play Bowen, go with the same team that played against, um, uh, we just play Leeds go against Leeds. Um, or you could bring Bowen in sort of like for like. Do you bring Johnson back in and sort of like you know work around that and t- and that could be Lingard's replacement? You could even bring Lanzini in, you know, you could even bring Fredericks, because I'm not convinced Fredericks is going to be fit for the game. Um, so there are options, but that is a massive loss. Manchester United are ridiculously hard to predict, they're like us, the same as Leicester, and pretty much the same of this league, and that's why any 
anyone that keeps getting good predictions right recently is fucking jammy. <laughs> um, so, 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 so unpredictable. And um, like, <laughs> cue this coming back later on in the show. Um, but, uh, but, uh, but um, yeah. And so I honestly don't know how to predict that because Manchester United just beat Manchester City. Manchester mm. City were uh, at Manchester City. Manchester City are head and shoulders the best team um, in the league this this season. I mean, they played to not. And last time I looked, it was like 5-1 or something like that, 5-2. And I don't know what it finished. I it finished 5-2. Um, so, you know, just battered Southampton again. So for the fact that Man United went there and played as well as they did shows that they on their day, they could be as good as the top team. So I think if we play like we did in the FA Cup, we could definitely match them. I'm hopeful that we could get a draw there. Um, but it's probably between a draw and a loss, unfortunately, would be my, my guess. But mm. I can't work them out, you know. It, they're such mm. a strange team. And like you say, they are very hard to predict. Mm. I think the reasons why they're hard to predict is because they've almost had a bit of a mini crisis under Ollie, And they've mm. almost come through the radar uh, or, or been under the radar when it comes to the season that they've been having. Because for as long as I can remember, since Ollie's been in charge, there's been question marks over him. He's not long-term. He's only warming the seat for a bigger manager. Then there's question marks over the defence. De Gea isn't the same player. Do the players actually care? Do they want to beat United? It did really feel like a mini crisis, but they do have an incredible amount of talent that can hurt you. There's no question about that. They are second in the league. They will be at home to West Ham. They have just turned over Man City. And listen, there's no way Man City were complacent against Man United. Neither Mm. team are ever complacent in the Manchester derby. Mm. So this is fucking hard for West Ham. Mm. Really Mm. hard. Um, I think it's a no-brainer to go five at the back um, for this to possibly play for the point. Unless Moyes is feeling brave and outrageous and wants to take the game to him. I can't see him doing that, to be honest. So I think we would go five at the back, which means we'd have to drop one in the final third. But other than that, I think if we stay switched on, we focus, we work hard, we take our chances on the counter-attack, which is key, and maybe look to hurt them on set pieces, then we're in with a puncher's chance. But otherwise, X, I'd, I'd give anything for West Ham to prove me wrong. I can't see us coming away with anything personally. That's just okay. me. Well, um, well, what you say goes in terms of football predictions. So there it is, folks. No point even watching it. Well, that's true. Um, so much so that I'm going to go for a 2 0 defeat. And I, I hate it. I hate saying that publicly. I'm only doing it because we say it on the show every week what, what the predictions are. And I hope I'm wrong. But that's a tough game. That's a really tough game. And um, I think we're going to be in the back foot for most of it. Will we take our chances? Time will tell. And again, you've got two massively unpredictable teams there. And we say it a lot this season. There isn't really a scenario that would surprise me if we won, drew or lost. But mm. realistically, I think we're going to lose the game 2-0. What's your okay. prediction, mate? I think it'll be closer. I'm torn between a draw and a slight loss. Um, so I think I'll probably go... Mm. One nil, <laughs> Manchester United. Hmm. Do you want to talk about the predictions league, or would you no, rather? No, no, we can move on, mate. Okay. Well, tough because we are. <laughs> <laughs> well, the good news for X was that he correctly predicted the West Ham score against Leeds, getting himself eighty points in the process. The bad news for X is that so did I, and this took my total for one hundred and ninety-nine points for the week with X getting one hundred and twenty-three. But the real eyebrow raiser 
is that there is now 338 points between us, with myself sitting pretty in 33rd place and X is 104th. And as this competition gets getting sweeter and sweeter, with my quest to beat him for a second consecutive year, looking very nice indeed. Very um, nice indeed. Can I just have my little say, please, as always? <laughs> well, as long as you're not going to put any of this down to luck, because after 28 fucking games, we cannot be lucky in the Predictions League. I'm sorry. So I'm not having that. Anything no. other than a luck-based conversation, you can say. Uh, you the like. only thing I will say about luck is that you've no, never won. No, no, no. <laughs> Hear me out. Is that you've never won the league outside of COVID with fans in. Wait till that happens. <laughs> Honestly, that's a different kind of fish. So wait oh till that. Oh, my God. Uh, secondly, oh my God. I, all I'm going to do is... I'm just going to read the league table out from Curry Betts, okay? <laughs> Curry Betts is a, a, a well-strategic-based league upon fantasy football. Um, oh, my God. There's many factors. You're stop, actually going to reference a competition stop. that I haven't played in about eight weeks. So I haven't even opened the fucking app. Because the minute you started losing, you sour fucking well, prick. I didn't want to play it anyway. Right. I, mean, I never wanted to play the poxy game. The West oh, Ham way managed that. the West Ham way managed my XWHU employee, <laughs> he of many beauties, um, has played 26 games and they have won 22 and they have lost four and have got 66 points. Code Red Rangers managed by Mr. Lucky David fucking Lucky fucking everything I predict fucking happens right fucking Walker um, has, has played 26 games won four and lost 22 we were grand total of 12 points yet dave walker being the host of the west Ham Way podcast <laughs> never ever chooses to mention that and claims that he doesn't take it seriously now yes i'm disappointed to lose the prediction score the fucking annoying thing is is that i'm a hundred and like third or something and i'm actually doing quite well like but, but yeah. annoyingly you're in the top four managers again this week out of the whole league that's two weeks in a row you've done that now. I don't fuck about, mate. <laughs> and so it's not like I'm actually doing that bad. I'm doing bad comparatively to you, yes, mm. but I'm not doing bad actually compared to pretty much everyone else. But the way you tell these stupid stories is that I'm having an absolute bloody mare when I'm not. It's just you're having a fucking jammy thing, right? Let me tell you. I don't know. I don't know if I've told this story before, right? But I probably have. But I need to tell it again for the sake of it. We were in Las Vegas. Dave's sitting at a roulette wheel, right? A roulette wheel, and I. And I'm talking to him because, you know, we're on holiday together. You're meant to be sociable. But no, Dave's focused on this roulette wheel, right? And I'm just hanging around drinking red wine or something, looking for a bit of company. And uh, and, he, <laughs> and, he's, and, he, and he starts talking to me. And then, and then apparently I put him off. And so he randomly accidentally brushed one of the colours on the, I think it was an electronic wheel. Or, I don't even know if it was a real one or electronic one. But whatever happened, you accidentally touched one. One of the how many numbers are there on a roulette wheel? I can't remember. Um, well, no. What actually happened? Was and then you're semi. You're, well, you're semi right, but let me correct you on this bit. It was it was uh, an electronic roulette wheel, but I was putting one dollar on every number. But where you're fucking barking in my ear about something or another, I've accidentally put uh, $10 on one number, and I turned around to you, didn't I? I said, for fuck's sake, mate, you just made me put $10 on one fucking number. Yeah, and then. 
What do you think happened, folks? I don't, even, I don't even need to tell you what happened. You know what happened, because this is Dave, fucking Lucky Walker. So, he, And then he'd, you'd think he would appreciate it. He went, well, thank God that your talking didn't spoil that for me. And just, I just took the money. I don't know about that. I don't know about that. Okay, um, I didn't yeah. exaggerate that. You, yeah. did buy me, you did buy me the drinks for the rest of the night. I'll give well, there you, you that go. One. There you go. You, I will give you that. You're a decent uh, guy. Yeah. You're just a lucky. <laughs> well see i don't think when you know predictions come into it luck comes into it i think that's pure skill there's knowledge of the game but do you know what's made me realize one thing about that poxy fucking fantasy league you keep harping on about because you've been playing it for so long and i didn't want to play it 100 percent. this was your comfort blanket insurance policy that if the predictions league went tits up, you could always fucking pull the fantasy thing against me. And that is why I'm categorically not playing that again next year. I've already cancelled it this year, but that is a tactic of yours, 100%. What, to try and play a game that is a football-related game that is different to the prediction league is a is a tactic of me to, to what? To, to... No, it's a tactic to, because you knew I'd be shit at it and you'd be so much more better. So you thought, well, if the predictions league goes up, at least I can pull that out my sleeve and say, well, I'm winning a fantasy football competition. I've got your cards marked, Sancho. Yeah, but mate, you could have won it. You the first, ah, the first, the, the first, the first few weeks, you were absolutely loving life when you were when you had <laughs> when you had Chilwell coming off from your third sub, having scored two fucking worldies, and yeah. who was that? Oh, that Jorginho fella, Chelsea midfielder, <laughs> yeah, who su- who suddenly takes penalties for Chelsea, even though he was on the brink of being sold, and yeah, took penalties yeah. and scored for you, and then you were loving life then, weren't you? Yeah, <laughs> the minute, that was funny. That mate, so Honestly, funny. folks, I guarantee you, if I win the prediction league next year, or if I'm ahead by a significant amount, he'll suddenly hate the prediction league <laughs> and won't want to, and won't and will stop playing it. And this is what happened with squash. Yeah. He used to sit down on the court and refuse to carry on because it was a shit game. But then when he, when, when, he, when he was winning, the shirt was around his head, like, you know, spinning it around like Ryan Giggs versus Arsenal. Well, stroke, that's true. That no, stroke, stroke 98 or whatever it was. He scored that goal. <laughs> <laughs> well, from one tragic conversation point to another, um, let's talk about Mark Noble because this mm-hmm. week he announced that next season would be his last for West Ham. How does the contract renewal and his statement make you feel? Um, I'm glad he's got another year in the sense that I would have hated to, him to have retired this year. Now, I said in January that he'd been offered a one-year deal and it did start to concern me that we'd got to this point in time and he still hadn't signed it yet. Um, so in that respect, I am glad that he's got another year. Hopefully, whatever his last game will be, will be a full house uh, 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 is that Upton Park? That would be the dream. But at the London Stadium, hopefully that would be um that hopefully that would be the case. And that's the fitting end to what has been an amazing career. However, I don't think it I, I think probably that's right. I think he probably has got a season left in him, but I wouldn't I sad that it's almost final. I would almost rather evaluate it at the end because yes, it probably is right. Yes, it probably is time for him to pack it in our next year. But you know, if he has another good season, he's still only 35. He could always manage another one out of him, possibly. But I guess he wants to go out 
not being completely shot. He wants to go at a decent standard. Um, and when he does finally finish and doesn't play, it will be a sad moment. I'm I'm fed up of people trying to knock this guy's career, right? Yeah, he might not be the player he was now. Yes, he might not be a first-team regular, but he can still offer a lot. And his time at West Ham has been amazing. He's played for God knows how many managers now since he's been there, starting from what, Pardew? So we could probably work it out. But every single one of those managers, including, you know, Husilios, uh, Husilios Pellegrini with Husilios, didn't think to replace him, still had him as captain, um, including many other managers, both in the Championship and the Premier League. Um he has been at the every player that's ever played with alongside him has liked him, respected him, said how important he is to the team, and he has turned in many performances that have been of the highest quality. And you think he's been hammer of the year twice in his career as well. So people say, you know, what did he? What's he actually done as a West Ham player other than be loyal? Well, for two seasons, the fans us voted him the best player of the whole season. So the guy should go down as a West Ham legend. In my opinion and i am gonna be very sad when he goes it'll be like the end of actually being young because when he when he made his debut you know i would have been in my early 20s and and the <laughs> fact that so it's like last like holding on to um to figure of being being young you know and yeah it's a it'll be a sad moment but i hope it'll be a fitting moment you know maybe a cup final wouldn't that be amazing Mm, Carl, wow, that is the dream. But very well said, mate, very well said. I do think it's the right decision. Um, at his age, it becomes increasingly difficult to perform at this level. But I feel for him because not only has he realised that his career is coming to an end, which for any professional is a sobering fault, he's also realised that the day will come where he never wears a West Ham shirt again. And that's going to be hard for Nobes because he is one of us. We've always said it, he is one of us. Everyone that goes to West Ham, if Mark didn't play for West Ham, he'd be in the stands with us. Yeah. So that's going to be really, really tough for him. But on a positive note, and you've hit the nail on the head, his last season will be in front of the fans and he will retire a club legend, mm -hmm. which is the way it should be. So much so that I do actually think we should retire the 16 shirt when he leaves. I don't know what you think about that. Yeah, that would be nice, I think. That's a good a good shout. I mean, my only worry would be that you do that. That's 16. You've already done it for six. Do you do it for Declan if he stays there? I mean, forty-one's not as significant, but do you retire that? I mean, eventually you'd run out. You'd run out with squad numbers, and so we'd have to have like one hundred and one and two hundred and thirty-seven and stuff. But but I think there's got to be some form of recognition to him. I think that would be a possible way. Um, it could be that you. You could even name the West Stand um, as it is, or op opposite the um, Billy Bond Stand after him, or certainly a section of the ground. You know, I think. I mean, there needs to be something because in modern football. And I know people try to argue it's because no one's bid for him. They have over the years. Yes, there hasn't been huge amounts because people know how loyal he is to West Ham so that he wouldn't leave. But there has been inquiries for him, particularly when we got relegated from memory. And I haven't researched this, but from memory, I think Fulham, possibly Sunderland at one point were interested um, when, when we got relegated. So there has been other opportunities for him. But obviously, as a West Ham lad, people knew that he um, he wouldn't he wouldn't want to leave for those clubs so in this modern day to be as long serving as he is I think is it 
I can't remember the stat now. Isn't it only Messi? He's been at there, yeah. been at his club longer, yeah, yeah. than 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 Mark Noble, and and uh, then and I think that just speaks volumes. Um, and I, he's been captain for five six years. Um, he's stayed with us in a couple of relegations. You know, he's had to be that one solid that almost kept everything together when everything else was falling apart. Um, mm-hmm. he was that consistent there that sort of turned it around and you don't play that many times um for a club um with surely no recognition and so i think he needs to have a like almost like a what's the word eternal role with west ham until until he until he dies because he's such a such a part of the history and as i say such a liked fella as well um that he he has to have a place going forward the guy the guy's done wonders for his club and it will be a sad moment when he leaves and and yes i understand people saying that he shouldn't be in the team now and People saying that maybe even he shouldn't be on the bench, some like because they rate other players. I don't agree with that. I think he should be on the bench, but I do understand the argument that perhaps he isn't worthy of being in a Champions League challenging uh, squad. However, to try and dismiss the fact that the guy's not done much in his time at West Ham is just ludicrous. The guy's done huge amounts. Oh, yes, yes, and you know, I don't see an issue with retiring the 16 shirt. I mean, you know. If you look at who we've done it for so far, it's Bobby. We did it for Dylan, Tom Bedis as well, didn't we? Yes, yes, that's right, mate. Yeah, Um, that is right. So to do it for Mark as well, and I'm not being funny, you know, the number six shirt is such an iconic number and is is a shirt that a lot of centre-halves would go for or defensive midfielders, for example. The number 16 shirt isn't going to be a number that people are going to fight over. So from the club's perspective, I can't see an issue with that anyway. And do you know what? It's in this day and age and I could be wrong because I haven't got a crystal ball. I think I think the chances of another Mark Noble spending the whole of his career at West Ham is slim. And when you talk about Declan, if he then goes on to do that and retires at West Ham, we should retire that shirt as well. Because I think it's so few and far between. Obviously, if Declan leaves West Ham at any point, then we shouldn't. But mm-hmm. I, I think you could go another hundred years and you're not going to see many more calls for a shirt being retired. But then again, that is so complimentary to how much Mark means to West Ham that we are potentially talking about doing something for him that we've done for Bobby Moore. Mm-hmm. And that for me is the biggest compliment you can give him other than name a stand after him, which I, I don't know. Maybe we will, but I don't think we would. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I agree. And I, I mean, we've, as far as Declan's concerned, he is like the perfect person to then take the club forward from oh. Mark Noble. Um, and the way he spoke in the interview as well, I don't know if mm. we're going to touch upon that, but his interview after the game was absolutely superb as well. Next year, I think you've got to say, right, Declan, you are the captain. Mobile's obviously still around, so he's still the ambassador and still the sort of the, like the, the real leader of the play. Players, but on the pitch, because Noble's not going to be playing that often, then um, then Declan remains as captain, and, and what a what a captain he's been as well. Oh, mate, unbelievable! I mean, it's funny, you know, because Declan's Declan. You know, mm. you can critique players week by week, but with Declan, you know what you're getting every week. He mm. does the same thing every single week, and let's not forget, he's also available every single week. We've mm. said it before. He is the full package. I think he's already world-class. I think I said Mm -hmm. it on last week's show. I really do. He could add goals to his game. They will come. That will make him an all-rounder. But in terms of what he does in the centre of that park with Thomas Suchek, 
is world class, and that is mm. such such a major part of our success this season. One mm. million percent, he's the full package. And the only thing that just surprises me is that every top club in Europe isn't sniffing around him at the moment. It blows mm. my mind. It blows mm. my mind because there isn't anyone better than Declan in terms of what he does. I feel that strongly about him, different well, clubs. Well, thankfully, there's that ridiculous sort of attempt by some pundits and some people in the media to suggest, that, and some fans, to suggest that Declan isn't as good as he is. And, and that, hopefully, plays into our hands because yeah. we want them to think that so that they don't sign them. I mean, I remember getting into an argument with um, Stephen Warnock, of all people, the, um, because he was trying to say <laughs> on his Instagram, Graham, that that um, Phillips, the Leeds midfielder, was better than Declan, and I, mm. I just think, mate, come on, like, listen, being a pundit. Yes, you're going to have a little bit of bias because you played for Leeds or whatever. But when you say something so ridiculous as that, you make yourself look like a shit pundit. Take your bias out of it and actually critique f- football properly. And anyone that looks at Phillips, who incidentally I think is about three years older than Declan, anyone that looks at the fella that was, you know, striking st- his stuff at Barnsley away for most of his career mm. and, has pl- and has played like, you know, uh, a handful of games in the Premier League. Yes, he looks a decent ish player. Decent-ish, I would say, player. Uh, but again, both matches against Declan. Have you even noticed him? I have because of his silly haircut. But other than that, I didn't notice him for his performance. And I think, I think that is what is helping us. That people just seem to want to do this. You know, what about Longstaff or whatever his name was, the Newcastle guy? At one point, when he was playing well for Newcastle, he was better than Declan. There was. Um, there was another player recently that someone was trying to compare to Declan and there just isn't a comparison, but the more people do this, like kind of in the media, I guess the more it helps us because I, like you, don't understand why all the top clubs aren't. I think Man City and Liverpool and Manchester United and obviously Chelsea were, are all sort of semi-interested, but yeah, you would think that anyone would be making all sorts of moves to try and get him now. Mm, I agree. It, it does us no harm in our bid to keep Declan when Mm. all these pundits are saying what they're saying. But I think they're saying it for one of two reasons. One, they're trying to be controversial and bring attention to themselves. Or two, they don't know what the fuck they're talking about. Because, you know, I I like to think I can judge a player and I know a little bit about players from other clubs, not a great deal. But I will never, ever, ever know as much about that player as the fans do who halt the club that that player plays for. Yeah. And, you know, if there are managers out there that are genuinely listening to a neutral pundit's view on a player, they're better off looking at a club and judging how the fans feel about a certain player. Because yeah. those are the people that are seeing that player week in, week out for 90 minutes. It's not some fucking stiff pundit who don't know what the fuck he's talking about and has seen a section or just wants to copy something he's seen on social media to make it look like he's got general knowledge of football because he's talking bollocks. A hundred percent, mate. And the thing is as well, West Ham fans have been criticised in, um, you know, recent years or throughout our history of being quite a critical fan base. Yeah. And that we're very quick to get on players' backs, which I think at times we can be. However, when has a West Ham fan ever got on the back of Declan? Yes. At the start when he was breaking through the usual reactionary knobs were saying, that he wasn't as good as people um, were saying he was. But if you look at the fan base for the last, um, 
you know, year, two years, whatever. Oh, you wouldn't find a single West Ham fan that doesn't say that Declan Rice is any good. And the fact that that many players, uh, sorry, that many fans are in a supposedly negative fan base would rate one player. It's obvious. Is that good? You know, it's yeah. the thing is, it's because it's also because of his position. You know, it's not the most glamorous position. It's not a match of the day position. And by that, and it's not a FIFA position either. You know, those sorts of things where sort of your modern day fan watches match the day you see someone do a few flicks you somehow think he's better than a player consistently doing his job FIFA you look at someone with pace for example and that's your best player you know it's when you actually analyse it from a football perspective on that position and what you need to be good in that position then he's head and shoulders above most people and I can't think of a person I would rather have in that position than him Mm. Well, Lucas Fabianski also renewed his contract for another year. What do you make of that? Uh, Good. I think um, whilst I've still got... I'm going to say it. I get stick for it. Some question marks over him. Well, so what are those question marks? Well, well, I think, like I say, I think he's played well the last few games. So he's going some way sort of quash them because I think the last maybe month or two months since I said it on the show, he's actually played well. So I'm hoping he proves... It's like me and other people wrong. Um, I just don't feel like he's a top, top keeper anymore. Now, that sounds really harsh. And also his age is also probably a factor in my mind um, because he's, you know, older. Um, I'm happy he's got the one-year deal. I think one year is the right amount. Again, see, maybe give him another season as first choice and see how we get on. But I do think mainly because of his age, but we need to start succession planning soon and mm. start. we need to decide whether Trot and Anang or, or that Hungarian youngster we've got are good enough to be first team keepers. And if we don't think they're ready yet, we need to, Martin will probably be gone. Randolph is a decent backup keeper, but I'm not sure I'd want him to be a number one. So we then need to start thinking about another keeper. I think with with Fabianski, there's nothing overly wrong. Like I can't say, oh, he doesn't do this or he doesn't do that. There's no particular feature. I just feel like when that first season he was with us, he was superb. Like, definitely hammer of the year. Amazing, brilliant, just constant shot stopping. And yes, he was playing a team that had to have more shots because we weren't as good then. I just don't think he pulls off the same amount of quality saves as, as he used to. Um, but that that said, like I said, the last last couple of months, I think he's I think he's been good. I mean, he's been playing really well. So I'm happy to put that opinion on hold if he keeps these performances up. Mm, yeah, I disagree with that. I disagree yeah. with that. I think he definitely had a f- bit of a wobble around the time he came back from injury. I think that's fair. But I think pretty soon after that, he got back to his best. And I think I think you could argue that in the year that he got Hammer of the Year, he was an outstanding performer in what was typically an underperforming squad, I think. But now he's in a squad where all the boys are performing, I don't think he shines as much as he used to because everyone else is shining. So collectively as a group, we're doing so well. But I look at Fab now, pretty much every game, some of the saves he makes, I think I think he actually goes under the radar a little bit now because of what he's got around him. And um, keepers can typically go on longer than outfield players, can't they, in terms of yeah, age? Yeah, um, yeah. So I, for one, am pleased that he's renewed his contract 100%. But do you think this means 
that we won't be looking for a keeper in the summer? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think it would probably mean we've got Fabianski. I don't know because I was I was told we would look at a keeper, but I would say Fabianski wouldn't have signed that one-year deal if he wasn't given some sort of promises that he's going to be the the first team keeper. I think if it, he would have gone to that meeting and he would have said, like, you know, what are the plans for the keeper position? Am I still number one? And they would have said for next season, yeah, we'll give you the one-year deal and we'll see where we are. If he'd gone to that meeting and they said, actually, mate, you know, we're thinking about sort of getting a keeper in and you might be back up. I'm not sure he would have stayed. You know, he's got it because mm. he could have, being a Bosman, so to speak, he could have picked wherever he went and maybe got a two, possibly three-year well-paid deal rather than taking a one-year deal at West Ham and just to be a backup keeper. So I think he's probably been told that for next season he'll at least start as number one. Um, so, yeah, that would be my take on it. Mm, it's an interesting point. OK, it's time to pick the winners of our March West Ham Way giveaway competition. The prizes are as follows. First place will win a 1980 FA Cup final shirt signed by Sir Trevor Brookin. Second place will win a £50 club voucher. And third place will win a copy of the Goodbye Ginger Vent along with a signed picture of the man himself. When X is ready, he will look at the list of patrons in front of him and finger the winner when I shout stop. Am X- I going for third place or first place first? No, I think you should start with third. Let's work okay. our way up. Um, okay. Let me know when you're ready, and I will shout stop. Okay. You always shout stop when I finger you. <laughs> <laughs> How many jokes are we going to make from this? <laughs> yeah, it's definitely got some legs. It? Yeah, as it always has. We've done it before, and we'll do it again. <laughs> right, okay. I- I'm ready. Okay. Stop. Okay. This is Costa Hammer. Costa the, Hammer. Brilliant. Costa Hammer, yeah. Costa Hammer. So not an actual first and last name. Uh, no. The name rings a bell, actually. I, I think from memory, he's um, a good supporter of ours. I think, I'm think i sure I've seen his name on Patreon and maybe Twitter as well. So mm, this is a name I think I recognise from Twitter, possibly, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Uh, that's brilliant. Costa, congratulations, mate. You will enjoy that event. It's exclusive, so it's not out there in the public. Only a few winners so far have had the privilege of seeing it. You'll really enjoy that, mate. And you'll get a signed picture of Ginge alongside that as well. So uh, good for you, mate. Good stuff. Right. Second prize is the £50 Club Voucher X. You ready? Mm-hmm. Stop. That was quick. And that's why alphabetically it's quite close. And it is um, Eric Field. Eric Field. Fantastic. Brilliant. Well done, Eric. £50 club voucher is en route to you, mate. Enjoy that. And let's reveal the winner of the first place prize, which is the 1980 FA Cup final shirt signed by Sir Trevor Brookin. X, whenever you're ready, pal. Okay, I'm just going to spin it a bit uh, for a second because I just don't want it to limit where I am. I'm going back to the start. Right, I'm back at the start now. Right, I'm going to start spinning now. Spinning? What fucking game are you playing? Is that fucking, it's a, it's is a that wheel, wheel of fortune. fortune it, is, it is. <laughs> it is. I'm going to reveal the letters in a minute. <laughs> right. Okay. Stop. 
that's a really crude joke about win a fortune, but I'm not sure I want to risk it. <laughs> um, right, so the winner here is a oh, nice standard name. I can read this, and the last one was as well. That was handy. Um, this is Brian Phillips. Brilliant. Well done, Brian. Well, congratulations to all of the winners. We will confirm your names on Patreon tomorrow and be in touch for your address details. Where else could you be fingered like that for a fiver? <laughs> it's that time I'm again. sure I can find somewhere, mate. <laughs> <laughs> To listen to the rest of this podcast, you need to be a patron of the West Ham Way. Becoming a patron couldn't be easier. Just visit www.patreon.com forward slash the West Ham Way and confirm your subscription to get full access to the West Ham Way podcast, our second weekly show called the West Ham Way Podcast Extra Time, classic clips of audio and video interviews, exclusive news from X, match day team news before anyone else, an exclusive forum, live Q&As with myself and X, monthly prize draws, discounts on events and merchandise, and behind-the-scenes content, all of which for just £5 a month. Geico presents Daily Affirmations. Repeat after me. Our thoughts are like the ocean. Our thoughts are like the ocean. Our thoughts create our reality. Our thoughts create our reality. We're thinking Geico offers claim service 24-7 with personalised attention from an assigned team. Geico offers claim service? Um, I I wasn't thinking that. We think it, and it becomes our reality. So, uh, what about washboard abs? Let's give it a go. Think really. Really hard. Okay, abs, abs, abs. Yep, abs. keep thinking. To manifest more Geico in your life, go to geico.com. Switching and saving with Geico is easy, so you're free to ponder life's big questions. Like, why do people say it goes without saying and then say it anyway? I mean, if it really goes without saying, you should instead not say it and just give a knowing look? Well, folks, it goes without saying. Uh, what does? The thing that I'm not going to say? Okay. Switch and save with Geico. It's easier than you think. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.